on this episode of This is Game Boy Light, I will grant you three wishes. Welcome to another episode of This is Game Boy Light. I am E Bloody Candy. And before we dive into part two of the Game Boy accessories, uh, just some things I've been up to in my life. I'm not going to go in super detail because I go in some pretty long detail in the full episode that comes out after this. Um, so, uh, this has been my month of retro. So. I've dedicated the entire month of March to playing retro games. Um, I realize I've been neglecting the retro side of things of my channel and my community and whatnot, so I decided to dedicate an entire month to playing retro games. And uh, honestly, it's been a lot of fun. I, I've learned a lot more about other systems, uh, especially the Sega Saturn which is weird because I just I don't like Sega stuff. Um, and I also found a few new gems on the Game Boy, specifically from the Japanese library. Um, on top of just playing a ton of retro games. like I think I've played something like 40 games so far this month, just between Nintendo. Um, I've been working on a game of my own that is going to be playable on the Game Boy. So... Uh, I have the concepts and the genre all laid out. Uh, I, things I need to work on next is sprites, animation, story, and uh, music. And right now I'm working on sprites and sprite animation. So I, I'm super excited. I've, I have learned a lot and come a long way with GB Studio in terms of just understanding how the software works, how to compile the ROM, etc. So... I'm at the point now with the game where I'm creating the sprites, creating the animations for each sprite, and then figuring out how each sprite is going to correlate with one another, and then how the story is going to progress. But beyond that, that's really about it. Uh, like I said, in the full episode coming up after this, uh, I go in much more detail of what I've really, really been up to. Uh, but today's episode... Uh, we're going to go dive into the vast world of Game Boy accessories again. Um, from the Game Boy camera and printer to the elusive Game Boy Kiss slash Game Boy Kiss modem. Uh, we dive into some of the weird accessories and accessories that were well beyond their time. So stay tuned. So before we dive into all of these accessories, I just want to preface, pre preface this episode with I know there are a lot more accessories for the Game Boy out there. Um, when it came to the Game Boy, when it came to Nintendo, 
in general in the 80s and 90s, they were everywhere. They were in malls, supermarkets, hospitals, doctor's office, uh, cars. You know, they were they were everywhere. And there are so many spinoffs and knockoffs of those things. Like the light boy alone had like 14 different iterations of a magnifying glass with a light. All called something different. Um, like there's so many different accessories just based off of name alone. Um, that if I sat here and tried to cover them all, we would be in like a 20-part series just for Game Boy accessories. You'd have like three episodes dedicated to just a magnifying glass. So I'm really just hitting some of like the cool, unique accessories and the accessories that really pushed the Game Boy beyond its actual limit and that probably gave it a, a longer life cycle than honestly it should have, it should have had. Um... So with that, we're going to dive into the Game Boy camera and the printer right away. Uh, I left off last episode talking about Game Link cables. So I figured, you know what, we, we briefly touched on the Game Boy camera, and we talked about Game Link cables, so let's dive into the Game Boy camera and Game Boy printer next. Uh, the Game Boy, the Game Boy camera and printer were released in Japan, February twenty first, nineteen ninety eight. Then would come out in North America, June first of nineteen ninety eight, and then would be released in Europe in June fourth of nineteen ninety eight. So within a few months of one another, and within a couple days of North America and Europe. So the way, so this this all works. So the Game Boy camera interfaces with the Game Boy printer. Um, the Game Boy printer uses uh, th thermal paper to print saved images on. If you don't know what thermal paper is, if you've ever... Well, oh boy, how do we explain this? If you've ever used a super old like accounting calculator that has paper roll on it and you start pumping it in and hit print, that's thermal paper. Uh, like receipt type, like old receipt type paper is thermal paper. Uh, you can still buy thermal paper today. So it's it's... It's a, a bit more uncommon in residential use, but it's still available. <laughs> um, the way this all worked was the Game Boy camera looked like a long cartridge that popped into the back of your Game Boy, and it had a big old spherical eye on the top of it. And the spherical eye allowed you, uh, you could rotate this eye to make it face you or make it face the back of the camera. Honestly, it was the first time you could really take a selfie, you know, and see what the hell you were looking at. Um, and then you would connect the link cable from the Game Boy into the printer and you could print off all of the pictures that you have taken. So, with that said, both the camera and the printer were marketed by Nintendo uh, as a pretty lighthearted entertainment device that was aimed at children. Um, Nintendo 64, or N64 Magazine, which is now N-Gamer, um, dedicated a monthly section to, uh, the actual Game Boy camera. The Game Boy Color is compatible with the game, with, uh, all of the Game Boy line except for, or the Game Boy Color, Jesus, the Game Boy Camera, I put GBC because I was trying to write notes quick, the Game Boy Camera... <laughs> is compatible with all of the Game Boy line except for the Game Boy Micro, 
which I may do a light episode on the Game Boy Micro someday in the future. It's a very unique uh, handheld. Uh, the video output is possible via a Super Super Game Boy or Super Game Boy 2 on the Super Nintendo Super Famicom and also on the Game Boy Player via the GameCube uh, interface. So getting some of the tech specs for this bad boy. The camera has a 128 by 128 pixel CMOS sensor and can store a 128 by 112 grayscale digital image using the four color palette of the Game Boy system. So you may think, wow, that's not very big or not very, you know, detailed. Honestly, like if you took a picture of something and it had decent shading, you could make out a pretty decent uh, image of things like a four tempo or uh you know your friends hanging around like you can do something kind of cool with it you know even if even if it had a small scale and a small color palette you could do some pretty cool things with it um uh, there's actually an image of jupiter and its moons that were taken with the game boy camera through a 10 inch telescope kid you not this thing was actually pretty pretty above its time um even though it came out in 1998 uh, the Game Boy Camera came out in five five standard colors. You had your blue, your green, your red, your yellow, and clear purple, which only came out in Japan. Uh, there was a limited edition gold-themed Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which contained unique stamps and was only available in the United States through a mail order through Nintendo Power. Um, in September 2020, we, there was some leaked information about an unreleased Hello Kitty version of the camera. Uh, I personally, I have the green version. I'd have to dig it out again, but I believe I have the green, uh, the the green labeled Game Boy camera. Okay, so the functionality of this camera, like I said, it was actually pretty cool and a, a bit a, a bit before its time, honestly. Or you know, it, it pushed the it pushed the Game Boy a bit because we didn't really have like commercial digital cameras out yet like even in 1998 like you were still using a kodak throwaway camera or you're still injecting you know a big old like roll of film into the camera to to take pictures and take them to your local you know convenience store to get them developed um the camera is controlled so like i said you can swivel the top of the camera and point it wherever you want Images can be manipulated, and mini games are actually played by the Game Boy software running the camera's attached cartridge. So once you pop it in, you can actually play some mini games on it. Uh, individual photographs can be taken and edited, um, and you can actually do like delay timers. You can do a time lapse. Um, you can do trick lenses like mirroring and scaling. You can do montages. You can do panoramas. Uh, for sticking together co uh, component photos into one bigger image. Um, the user can further edit images by putting like Nintendo stamps on there. It's so, like we mentioned earlier, uh, the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time contained unique stamps, so you can put some stamps on your photos. Uh, you can doodle on the, on the photos themselves. Uh, and then images can be combined as frames of an animation, so almost like Mario Paint at this point. And images can be interconnected with clickable hyperlinks in hotspot mode. 
which we'll kind of get into that in a bit. Um, so like I said, all of this stuff is transferable to the Game Boy printer via uh, the Game Link cable, or can be copied via the N64 controller's transfer pack to a 64DD disk drive floppy disk. Um, the Japanese Game Boy camera is optionally integrated into Mario Artist suite of multimedia games for the N64's disk drive peripheral as well. Um, I'm not going to get much into that because that starts to involve like the Randonet internet stuff, SD cards, Wi-Fi. Like there's a whole, whole slew of things you can do with the N64's disk drive that was released in Japan only with the Game Boy camera. It was insane. Um, there are a few differences though between the North American and Japanese versions including the unlockable B album pictures and the stamps that can be placed on pictures. The software also had a few Easter eggs, and <laughs> these Easter eggs are best described as pretty terrifying. Uh, they were described from the public as creepy and scary. Uh, they are... They are nightmare fuel. I, I will confirm that for you all. Um... Nintendo actually reportedly had plans to release a successor to the Game Boy Camera for the Game Boy Advance called the Game Eye, uh, which would actually take uh, colored photos and feature connectivity with the GameCube uh, through a game titled Stage Debut, but neither the, the game nor the accessory were actually released. Uh, I mentioned that the Game Boy Camera has minigames. So some of the mini games that you can look forward to with the Game Boy Camera is called is some of them are called Space Fever 2, which is a sequel to an early Nintendo arcade game called Space Fever. Um, in this mini game, the player controls a spaceship which fires missiles at other ships throughout three unique stages, uh, followed by a boss at the end of each stage. The first boss is a giant face of a man with horns. The second boss is a giant face of a mustachioed man, and the third boss is the game face. Uh, once all three of these bosses are beaten, the cycle will reset with increased difficulty, so it just loops. Uh, at the beginning of the game, two spaceships appear, um, shooting the B ship uh, will enter the ball minigame, and shooting the D ship will enter DJ. By avoiding both of the ships, the player will begin playing Space Fever 2, and after scoring 2,000 points, a new minigame called Run 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 will be unlocked where a, where a new ship marked with a question mark will appear at the beginning. So let's get into these other minigames within a minigame. <laughs> Ball is a juggling game. There you go. Uh, um, it's a juggling game in which the player moves the hand around to catch the balls. It's very similar to a game and watch game called Ball. Uh, very similar. Um, only the game of watch, uh, only with game of watch's head replaced with the game face. Um, and the background music, uh, to this game is, is Mayhem Mayhem in Israeli, uh, folk song. DJ is an open-ended music video game with a music sequencer known as Trippy H, where players can mix and create simple chip tunes. The game face is the DJ. Run, run, run is the bonus minigame. 
the game face is attached to a cartoony body, and the player races against a mole and a bird for the finish line. By clearing this minigame in under 22 seconds, the credits are unlocked. So, with all of that said, a ton of features, a lot of functionality, but the Game Boy Camera was not well received within Nintendo. Uh, Kuwahara, Kuwahara uh, approached uh, Creatures Inc., which if you don't know who Creatures Inc. is, uh, they're a Japanese video game development company affiliated with the Pokemon Company. Um, Kuwahara approached Creatures Inc.'s president at the time, Hirokazu Tanaka, uh, regarding the development of the software for the device, uh, which actually just solidified the project. Um, the camera's built-in software was co-developed by Nintendo's R&D One and Japanese company called Jupiter, uh, with Tanaka taking directing or with Tanaka directing this project. So there you have it. Uh, some of the cool things I've seen with the Game Boy Camera is people like hooking it up to their Super Nintendo and using it as a webcam. Um, seen that a few times. Uh, obviously, like, this kind of pushed some of that creative direction within Nintendo's consoles with, like, Mario Paint, uh, Mario Artist Suite, the Miiverse, uh, things of that nature. So it, it was kind of, like I said, it was beyond its time, and it was one of the first, you know commercial digital cameras that a person could own without breaking the bank. Uh, did it did it snap at 28 megapixels with, you know, amazing-looking landscapes? No. But it got the point across, right? So, with that, let's dive into the Game Genie. So, the Game Genie is a... How do we say this? A <laughs> it's a it's an interesting piece of hardware. Um, the Game Genie is is a line of video game cheat cartridges originally designed by Codemasters, and it was sold by C America and Galoob. Um, the first device in the series was released in 1990 for the NES. Uh, with subsequent devices released for the Super NES, the Game Boy, the Sega Genesis, and the Sega Game Gear. Um, all of the devices temporarily modified game data, allowing the player to cheat and manipulate various aspects of the game, and sometimes actually access unused assets and functions of the game. Five million units of the original Game Genie products were sold worldwide, and most video game console emulators f now feature a Game Genie code support. In the mid-1993, Codemasters began development on the Game Genie 2, um, with Galoob, again, uh, due to market and distribution, uh, the device in North America, but ultimately no Game Genie devices were released by Codemasters for the fifth generation of consoles. However, other companies have produced similar hacking devices, like you had the Codebreaker, you have the Game Shark. Uh, so the Game Genie brand was then later revived by the company Hyperkin, which is actually a very popular company right now, uh, who released cheat systems for newer consoles. 
The Game Boy Edition uh, similarly has a slot for a cartridge while itself needing to be inserted into the console's game slot. And let me tell you about the Game Boy Game Genie. This thing is a beast. Um, this thing... <laughs> this thing looks like nothing nothing other in the world. Uh, it has a big... It's, it's very top-heavy. It has a big top block with a little insert for the booklet where all your cheat codes are and a slot to put in the game. Then it has this long tail which is where you insert into the Game Boy. Uh, it's a very awkward-looking device. So, uh, and it has two buttons on the front for toggling codes on and off or to return to the code input screen, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, and like I said, it houses a compartment to hold a very small code booklet in the back, and I mean, like, this thing is tiny. Um, the physical design, like I said, this thing is... Nothing that you've ever seen before. The physical design made it difficult to be used for any other version of the Game Boy except for the old gray brick. Although you could make it work if you attempted to use the Game Genie on the Game Boy Pocket, the Game Boy Lite, or the Game Boy Advance. Um, the problem with trying to put it into like a Game Boy Pocket or a Game Boy Lite... Uh, or a Game Boy Color, for that example, is as you're putting it in, the top of the game Game Genie is hitting the top of the of the Game Boy, which mean which means it's not making full contact in the game slot. So you have to bend the Game Genie to push it all the way in, which causes a lot of strain on the Game Genie and could break the Game Genie and at Hersley break the Game Genie inside of your. Uh, <laughs> inside of your Game Boy. So then you have to perform a little bit of surgery to get it out. Um, a standard unit, however, does not fit into the Super Game Boy, but with some minor modifications to the plastic, it's like if you like trim it up a little bit, uh, you can make it fit and work perfectly fine. Uh, there is also a third-party Super Game Boy to Game Genie adapter, allowing you to connect the Game Genie to the Super Game Boy cartridge. Um, the unit is not compatible with Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance cartridges, so you can't pop in Spawn or uh, Legend of Zelda, Zelda, Zelda Minish Cap and hope to cheat your way through the game. Um, and they just honestly physically don't fit into the game genie uh this however includes original games with game boy color enhancements uh when played in a game boy color or game boy advanced system however the color enhanced games will function if played in an original game boy system the introduction of the original nes game genie was met with fierce fierce opposition from Nintendo, and you can imagine why. Nintendo sued the hell out of Galoob in the case of Galoob vs. Nintendo, claiming that the Game Genie created derivative works in violation of copyright law. Sales of the Game Genie initially stopped in the U.S., but not in Canada, because Canada's Canadians are a bunch of cheaters, confirmed. 
in many gaming magazines at the time. Galoo placed Game Genie ads saying, Thank you, Canada. Uh, however, after the courts found that the use of Game Genie did not result in derivative work, Nintendo could do nothing to stop the Game Genie from being sold in the U.S. Before the lawsuit was filed... Galoob even offered to make the Game Genie an official licensed product, but Nintendo said no. Lost opportunity. <laughs> so, those are the two big accessories coming out this, this, this episode, and there's a lot of information about them out there. They're very popular. I, everyone I knew had a Game Genie for some sort of system, uh, and most people I knew had a Game Boy camera. But uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to dive into some of the lesser-known accessories and some of the very hard-to-find accessories. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. So, we just got done talking about the Game Genie, the Game Boy Camera, and the Game Boy Printer. Now let's dive into the <laughs> the Handy Boy. <laughs> so, like I mentioned very early on in this episode, there were so many different knockoffs for like a magnifying glass right you had the like you had the light boy which was a magnifying glass that you could attach on the top of the game boy that had a little light and it would magnify the screen and light up the screen to play and like i said there's 14 billion different knockoffs for that thing um as goes for speakers as goes for buttons as goes for literally everything for game boy so, I would be doing you all a disservice if I didn't actually mention the all-in-one accessory for the Game Boy. The Joy Plus Handy Boy. Made by one of the best manufacturers in the world, STD. <laughs> this beast of an accessory features two amplified external speakers that are on both sides of the screen. It adds a screen magnifier which lights up so you can play the games in the dark. And additionally, it adds a joystick over the D-pad and springy buttons over the A and B buttons. The best, absolute best part of the Handy Boy is it all folds, folds, it all folds together for... Easy traveling. Whoa! You literally have a walking arcade with you everywhere you go. Transform your Game Boy into a game machine. Um, so yeah, this this accessory was <laughs> excessive, <laughs> to say the least. Um, as if the Game Boy, or the original DMG, the Great Brick, wasn't big and heavy enough. Um, let's add literally a transformer pack 
uh, made of plastic onto this thing and make it go from weighing five pounds to about 20 pounds and making it barely fit in your pocket to having to use a uh, lockable suitcase to, to carry it around. Um, this thing was honestly one of the biggest pieces of shit that has ever hit the market for the Game Boy. Uh, <laughs> um, name any time that you had the Game Boy blaring its, its speaker. You can't. Uh, and if you say, oh, I used to do it, you didn't. Um, <laughs> it's not so much that the Game Boy has bad music. It's just like your parents were just like, turn that crap off, turn that crap down. I don't want to hear that crap. And typically you played Game Boy at home. Or if you played with friends, you don't want to have the Game Boy blaring because you want to hang out with your friends. So typically, like, you just didn't have the sound on or you had headphones on while playing the Game Boy. However, the Handy Boy, though, has two speakers, amplified speakers, just big chilling, ready to blare that, that, uh, that, uh, Micro Machines music, Super Mario Land music, the uh, the Kirby's Dreamland music, just ready to go, ready to blare, ready to rock your face off. Then um, on top of that, you have these little slidey buttons for the magnifying glass to light up, so you can magnify that screen that's now forty feet away from your face because you just put all these attachments on from the Handy Boy. Um, then on top of that, you put these clip-on buttons on for the D-pad and the A and B buttons, and they absolutely suck. There's literally no reason for them at all. The joy pad, the, the joystick feels super brittle as if I'm going to break it, and even while you're using it, you're just like, I would just rather press the D-pad uh, because it feels better. And the buttons for A and B are literally just springs on top of the A and B button. So if you've used your Game Boy a, a crap ton in the past and your rubbers are dirty or ripping or you, know, you need to replace the, you know, the buttons... This spring-loaded button literally does nothing for you at all. On top of that, to get this thing powered up was a beast in itself because you have to put this little, like, copper attachment into your battery bay and pray to God that it works. And on top of that, this thing was brittle. As soon as you started folding things around too much, as soon as you started just messing around with things, you, you could break it. Like, this thing was a pile of trash. I unfortunately owned one, and I don't. I, but I don't use it. I got it because you know you gotta have it as a Game Boy collector. Um, and the the slogan for the Handy Boy by STD, by the way, was "Don't settle for less." Well, we certainly don't settle for less with the Handy Boy. Let me tell you what. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the Handy Boy. You could bought. You could have bought this thing at Sears, which was really unfortunate. <laughs> The good old, the good old handy boy. Now, the main event. What you all have been waiting for. The Game Boy Kiss. Now, this is an accessory that you've probably heard through random conversation, especially between Legs and myself or... Uh, Petra and legs, or just from legs in general. This thing is impossible to find information on. We know it exists. We know it existed. We knew it was released. We know there are games that utilize the Game Boy Kiss functionality, but to find the but to find information on this thing is excruciatingly difficult. 
So the Game Boy Kiss was released in 1998 uh, by Hudson Soft. Uh, it, the Game Boy Kiss Link is an infrared modem that allowed you to connect a Game Boy to a Windows PC to transfer game data. Uh, the Game Boy Kiss Link came with two 3.5 floppy disks, one with drivers and the other with 29 minigames. Uh, and before emulators, this was the best way to get save states to your computer for future use. Um, like I said, this thing was actually really hard to find information on, but this is an accessory I've been wanting to at least make known to you all for a long time. So let's get into it. The way that the Game Boy Kiss and the Game Boy Kiss linked worked is... Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm already lost in my notes. So I didn't organize them. Here we go. So let's let's get a few things straight with the Game Boy Kiss and the Game Boy Kiss Link. So it's easy to get confused with all of the different features with the Game Boy Kiss and the term terminology applied to each one of them. Um, the Game Boy Kiss is a term created by Hudson Soft. And yeah, it implies that two Game Boy cartridges are kissing each other, but instead of exchanging saliva, they are exchanging data. Um, the Game Boy Kiss is a broad term that refers to wireless infrared file transfer, uh, and is most commonly used in reference to cartridge-to-cartridge -cartridge file sharing. Since that was the most common application of the Game Boy Kiss technology, this is what they did. Uh, all Game Boy Kiss games included a utility for managing and transferring files, both game data and text messages. Each Game Boy Kiss cart allocated six memory slots for game data uh, via you know, your save states, your user-created maps, your content downloaded from the internet, etc., and 18 slots for text messages, which, yeah, that's right, the Game Boy Kiss mail, you could compose text messages both in Kana and Kanji and Roman Alphabet and manage your mailbox. And then with Game Boy Kiss, you could send and receive messages to and from your friends. Finally, the Game Boy Kiss Link was an infrared modem that you connected to your personal computer and its sole purpose was to allow you to transfer files between a Game Boy Kiss cartridge and a PC. So in other words, it allowed you... It allowed the Game Boy to kiss the PC. Um, there was exclusive game content, uh, i.e. extra levels, etc., that could be downloaded from Hudson's website, saved onto your PC, and then transferred to the Game Boy via the Game Boy Kiss Link modem. Uh, this was for... Windows 95, mind you. <laughs> um, Windows 98, maybe, as well. Um, so a bit more about the hardware for Game Boy Kiss. Uh, as you may expect, the Game Boy Kiss Link uh, was sold as a bundled package, uh, including several uh, items. The modem itself, a clear plastic case to protect the modem, and two three-and-a-half floppy diskettes. Uh, the first floppy disk, like we said, contained drivers for the PC, and the second disk contained 20, 29 minigames, 
developed by Hudson, and these games are uh, I'll bring up in a, in a few minutes. So the the Game Boy Kiss was a pretty a pretty fragile piece of. Well, rather, the Game Boy the the Game Boy Kiss Link modem was a, a rather fragile item, uh, and it wasn't designed for being tossed and beat around on a desk. You basically set it, and it it didn't move at all. Uh, the female parallel port connector was mounted directly onto uh, the IC board, and the circuits and electronic and components of the board were always exposed. That's why it was a fragile piece of equipment. <laughs> Um, and only a, a very thin, flexible case was provided to shield the Game Boy Kiss Link from abuse. And if you're a seven-year-old kid, I certainly wasn't a gentle giant. I wasn't even a giant as a kid, but I was not a gentle human being when I was seven years old. I broke so much stuff back in the day. Um, the modem... Uh, which received and transmitted infrared signals to the Game Boy Kiss cartridge required a standard 9-volt battery. Um, but I, I honestly don't know what the power consumption is because I'm not that technical of a, of a person. So, But I would expect the battery life to be kind of eh. So since the modem doesn't have an off switch, it just con constantly drains the battery. Um, the Game Boy Kiss Link had to be connected to a PC via the parallel port cable that we that I literally just mentioned, and the modem was designed to remain in its plastic envelope at all times except when you needed to change the battery, which then, well, you could break the damn thing and have to buy a new one. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's dive into some Game Boy Kiss Link pack-in games. So there are some Game Boy Kiss games, well, there are Game Boy Kiss games in the Game Boy library, more specifically probably the Japanese library. Um, but as noted, the Game Boy Kiss Link modem launched with two 3.5 floppies. One of them contained 29 minigames, as I mentioned, a 5 billion times already. Um... But let's talk about some packing games here. We got packing games. So we have Game Boy Kiss packing games. We have Cannonball, which is a clone of Capcom's Buster Bros. Uh, basically, you're a dude that walks around the ground, shoots a harpoon up, busts some bubbles up. <laughs> pretty, pretty basic. Uh, they have another game called Same Game Kiss. Um, it's a simplified version of Hudson's. Uh, own game, which itself is a commercialized version of the PC freeware, but I couldn't tell you how to play this game at all. Then you have Mini Stasel, which is a vertical shooter, and basically this is a minigame based off of Hudson's Star Soldier. Then you have Puzzle Game. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a sliding puzzle game. That's it. Um, then there's a Japanese game. I don't know what it says. I think it somehow translates to like bizarre monkey or bizarre boy. But uh, 
I, I don't know. But you're climbing a palm tree and a vegetable ducking into a sewer pipe, a la Mario Brothers. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a thing. Uh, and then there's Worm. And if you've never played Worm before, it's a, you start off as a, as a, it, it, it's Snake. <laughs> All right. Well, it's Snake. You start off as a tiny line and there's little objects around the screen. You have to go and collect the object. As you collect the object, you grow. Don't crash into the walls. Don't crash into yourself. You play for a high score. So those are your Game Boy Kiss packing games. Um, yeah. And to no one's surprise, Hudson actually recycled a lot of these mini games to be used as cell phone games in the early 2000s. Uh, especially when Hudson shifted a lot of its energy and resources to mobile gaming. Um, some things that I will briefly mention and talk over is... The Game Boy Kiss functionality is different than what the Game Boy Color IR or the infrared system is. Even though they work kind of in tandem, like they're quote-unquote kissing each other, the Game Boy Kiss required you to have this modem that you had to connect to one another, essentially. Um, but I, I would be, again, doing a bit of a disservice if we just didn't go over some of the other uh, Game Boy... Except, like lesser known Game Boy accessories that were out there. Uh, you know, you had your Game Boy Pocket Sonar. You had, obviously, the Handy Boy. You had the Work Boy, which technically wasn't released, but there are Work Boys out there in, in the world. Uh, the Work Boy was a keyboard that you would connect via a Game Link cable to your, to your Game Boy, and you could do things like check out the clock, uh, set a daytime planner, your temperature... Uh, your calendar, and you can see the stock exchange. Then you had the petty, the the PD sedate, which uh, was used. It's still rumored whether it was used or not. Um, some people claim to actually have some. Some people claim that they don't. But uh, the PD sedate was a uh, head device that would go on top of a child's head and over their nose, and they would plug it into the Game Boy, and basically uh, it was a way for hospitals to sedate children um, while they were, you know, going in for surgery or whatever it was. Dentists for doing teeth work, whatever. Then you have the Game Boy Radio. Um... This was made in China, but there is zero information about this thing. Uh, it used the Game Boy as a power supply, but it didn't interfere with the Game Boy itself, it, or it didn't interface with the Game Boy itself. It was It's a very weird uh, accessory, and there's not a ton about it out there. Uh, then you have the Game Boy Kiss, and then... Then we have something that's really cool. It's called the, the, Singer, uh, the Singer Isaac, which is a sewing machine. Um, the sewing machine came with a black, black cart, uh, Game Boy cartridge that you can pop into the Game Boy and actually design and control a sewing machine from your Game Boy. 
Typically, you would do this via your Game Boy Color because of the infrared system it had built into it. So, uh, super, super cool accessory. The fact that you can control a sewing machine from a Game Boy was pretty damn awesome. So, uh, there's a, some of the lesser-known accessories out there in the world for the Game Boy. Like I said, the Game Boy was real, real crazy, right? And then you have, like, you know, your Game Boy-colored stuff, right? Like, you had your mobile adapter, your magic card, your boom bo your boombox boy or aka your Game Boy FM radio. You know, your Game Boy Advance stuff, you had the Game Boy player, the e-reader, um, the wireless adapter, the SP headphones, the play on, uh, advanced movies, worm cam, roll case, flip light, your competition pro GBA mini cam, which is a low video camera or a low quality video camera for the GBA. Then you had the GBA steering wheel. You had an easy flash. You had a game changer. Um, then you had your game sharks, your action replay, your action replay max, your code breakers. Like there's so many accessories out there for the Game Boy and for other consoles. Like I said, like if we were to cover them all. This would be a 10-part series, and at that point, I would have just made it into a main episode with Mo. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so much going on with the, in the world of accessories for Game Boy. And we didn't even touch on, like, carrying cases for the Game Boy. Like, the Game Boy had about 4 billion different types of carrying cases, from, like, rental cases of Blockbuster to officially licensed Nintendo game car you know, carrying cases, like... Oh, there's so many. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But like I said, I want to do this two-part series to try and just make aware of like some of the really cool accessories that the Game Boy had. Some of the accessories that really pushed you know the life expectancy life expect expectancy of the Game Boy, and some of the accessories that were just so odd and unknown and weird that they definitely deserve their own little spotlight so uh with that i'm gonna take another quick short break and we'll be back after this song all right welcome back everybody so that's going to cut it for me uh, for Game Boy Accessories. Uh, I, I may come back later to hit up some some more like really weird, one-off, unique things. Like I said, like the Game Boy Micro. Uh, maybe we can do like some... Maybe we can do like a Game Boy version uh, light episode eventually. Like the, the old brick, the pocket, the micro, etc. So... Uh, but like I said, the main part of the of this series was to go over the big accessories and some of the what I what I personally thought were the really cool, unique accessories as well for the Game Boy. Um, if you had, if you've ever experienced any of these, like I can tell you, like right now, I've experienced most of the Game Boy accessories as a kid and as an adult. Uh, I had a Light Boy as a kid. I had I had a Light Boy. I have. I still have my battery pack and I have a carrying case. Um, when I became an adult and had adult money, I got, you know, a handy boy because you got to have one, uh, a, f a bunch of knockoff, like light boys that aren't light boys, but they are light boys. If that makes any sense at all, um, more game boy carrying cases that I can even talk about, 
four bajillion game link cables for the old the old port and the new ports. Um the Game Boy headphones. Like I have a bunch of Game Boy stuff now, right? So I, I have some personal connection to the Game Boy accessories, and I have used them in the past. Like the four score, I've used a couple times. I've used the Game Boy camera and printer quite a bit just for memes. Obviously, the Super Game Boy one and two, I've I use often, nearly every day. So, uh, if you all have like experience with accessories too, like especially some of the rarer ones, like you know the the Sonar, the Kiss, the if you actually use the handy boy, <laughs> um, if you actually have seen the the the, the pity sedate or actually seen the singer the singer uh, sewing machine in action, like I would love to hear that story because I think the printing machine the, the 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 sewing machine is pretty damn cool. I actually own the cart, but not the printer or not the sewing machine. So, but yeah. Thank you all for listening to this light episode. I apologize it's coming out late. It's my fault this time, not legs. Uh, I got super, super busy with real life things, with you know, real life work, with you know, real life work. My 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 job. We we've ramped up a lot of work lately. Um, making this video game, playing retro games for stream getting things ready for podcast, you know, other podcast episodes, uh, getting things ready for marathons that are coming up in the future. Like there's just so much stuff happening right now in my life that I honestly just lost track of when this episode is supposed to be released. So, uh, this is my fault for this episode coming out late, but, uh, outro time. So you can find me, eBloody Candy, um, on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Just at e bloody candy, you can find my second half uh, Mula on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram uh, at Mula M O E L L E U H, and you can find our fantastic, wonderful, amazing producer Sprinty Legs at Sprinty Legs on Twitch and Twitter, Legs on YouTube, and you can check out her amazing project website SprintyLegs.com. On top of all of that, you can find all that information on uh, uh, thisisgameboy.com with other information regarding things like our Patreon and our PayPal. Uh, if you want to support our st- our, our stream, <laughs> our podcast, uh, monetarily, uh, we do have the Patreon with multiple tiers. Um, the Patreon is tied to Discord, so you will receive, you know... Um, you will you will receive rewards in Discord, seeing like behind the scenes stuff and some outtakes and a bunch of other weird things that happen on stream. And then once we get to twenty dollars a month, we actually start live streaming the big episodes. Uh, if you are doing just the one time thing via PayPal, uh, please let one of the three of us know. We want to reward you and thank you in some way possible. Um, PayPal and Discord just don't tie into one another, at least not yet. So we want to uh, reward you and thank you. Uh, so please let one of us know. And if money thing is, if if supporting by money isn't your thing, it's not a big deal. You're good. Just you know, wherever you're listening to the podcast episodes, whether it's you know, I to the the Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud. 
whatever other <laughs> podcast platforms there are, uh, just tup, just pop a review in. Just boom, five star review. EBC is the greatest podcast host in the world, and uh, that's super appreciated as well too. And if I know who you are, I'll maybe DM you and say thank you. Big maybe though. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, and again, you can find all that information on this is gameboy.com. Um, what else? Oh, um, so this is going to be in the next episode, but I'm just going to give you all a heads up in a way because I can do that. Um, we're trying to get some merch together. So we're trying to get like shirts and maybe coffee mugs or something with the this is Game Boy stuff on it. Um, Mo is working on that that stuff as as I speak and make this episode. So expect something down the line for that. I don't know what to expect or when to expect it, but just expect it. <laughs> um, so yeah, with all of that said, the next time you hear from me, I will be with Mula, and we will be talking about Amazing Penguin. Yes, I think. If not, Mo and Hero are going to be talking about Battle to I don't, uh, yep. Whatever this episode comes out, you'll hear from someone else in a later time. <laughs> Ta ta. Penguins, ah, oh, get out of here, you know.